Well, hello, friends. Grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, be with you. Welcome to Sermons from the Mount podcast. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill. I currently serve as the pastor of Mount Olivet United Methodist Church in Manio, North Carolina. Each week, we will post here audio recordings of the sermons that I preach from that church. Hope this one is a blessing to you. God bless. Take care. Friends, our gospel lesson this morning and the sermon text comes from the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in the 10th chapter. We're going to take a look at verses 25 through 37. So again, this is Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through It says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him, Jesus, to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. My friends, this is the word of God for you and I, the children of God. Thanks be to God. Is there anybody in here who has not heard this parable of the Good Samaritan before? Honestly, it's hard for me to believe that many folks, whether they be inside or outside of the church, don't have at least some basic familiarity with the story. And yet the fascinating thing about Scripture is that if you slow down just enough, because it is the living, breathing Word of God. If you slow down just enough and quiet yourself just enough, even stories that you think you know so well will speak to you in a different way. I know that for me, every time I have read this story, it has been a call to action. It's Jesus telling us to do something. To do what? Be good and do good and help other people. I think in our minds we have visions of maybe stopping to help somebody on the road change a tire or a stranger attempting CPR or trying to use an AED on someone in distress. Some states have even 
codified into their laws what are known as Good Samaritan laws, which tried to make the same point. Even the last couple episodes of Seinfeld were on this very thing. But this week, though, I wondered if maybe such a reading was a little bit too heavy on the law. Maybe a little too heavy on you and I doing something. What if, friends, this is not just a parable about a call to action? What if it's also about a call to faith? What if this parable is really not about the Good Samaritan at all, but is entirely about Jesus? What if it's not about you being nice to others? What if it's about Jesus saving you? About a Jesus that sees us wounded. A Jesus that is not afraid of being contaminated. A Jesus that pays the price. A Jesus that pays the burden. A Jesus that gives mercy so that we are saved. Our story starts with some lawyer running his mouth. And having once been afflicted by such a profession, I can say that it's an accurate description. He wants to know how to inherit eternal life. And so Jesus asks him about the law. And this lawyer gives what is apparently the right answer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. What you and I have talked about is being the horizontal and vertical commandments. Jesus seems pleased with this answer. He gives this guy a thumbs up and says, all right, you do this and you will live. But the lawyer can't leave it alone, can he? Desiring to justify himself, it tells us. And so he asks another question. Now this bit about justifying himself is important because what it means is either he wants to seem smarter than Jesus by talking when he should have been listening, or I think... He wanted to make sure that the behaviors he was currently engaged in and exhibited to others was enough. He wanted Jesus to answer in such a way that he could confidently look around to those near him and say, yeah, well, that's exactly who I already help out, Jesus. So I guess I'm covered. Do y'all see all that stuff you see me doing around town? Jesus says that it's enough. Jesus says... I'll inherit eternal life. So I have that going for me, which is nice. So Jesus then starts to tell our familiar story. He does it, I think, to point out the motivation behind this lawyer's actions. Is he doing it out of strict adherence to the law, out of a call to action? Or is he doing it as a response to the salvation that the Messiah promises or a call to faith? Is he doing it out of obligation to the law or in joyful response to his faith? What about us? Make no mistake, friends, we are called to serve the lost and the least and the forgotten around us. But before we can do that, do we fully understand what it means to be saved by Jesus? This story, friends, is our story. That poor joker on the side of the road, that's us. The one that stops to help, that's Jesus. Jesus starts by telling us a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Roughly, this is a trip of about 17 to 18 miles from a place that is sacred to the Jewish faith 
back down to everyday life. From a place that pilgrims would regularly take to engage in the high Jewish festivals, back down now to what is common. A trip from a mountaintop type experience down to the plains, quite literally. Because the topography here between those 17 to 18 miles, it descends about 3,000 feet over that span. Think about if you have ever been to a revival or a concert or a worship experience that had you lifted up and fired up and then the next day you got to return to work. That's what this guy is doing here. Now, I don't know if there are other roads that he could have taken, possibly, but the one he took was one that was this steep descent through wild, rocky, desolate country. Maybe you and I would consider it a wilderness of sorts. But the path he took was one that lonely travelers could easily be attacked by bandits and robbers and such. He was attacked, he was beaten, he was robbed, he was abandoned. Now, we've all been born again, right friends? I pray that we all have had one time or another where we said yes to Jesus made a statement of faith in front of a congregation where we proclaimed Jesus as Lord. Likely it was in a church. Maybe it was in a concert hall. It may even been as you were walking across sawdust under a tent up to the altar. Maybe, though, you haven't felt comfortable doing that just yet, and that's okay. But eventually, friends, all of us have to walk out from that church, out from that concert hall, out from underneath that tent and decide which road we're going to start walking from that point forward. While we are, I'm sure, always intent to walk that road that was the straight and narrow, as Barney Fife tells us, during our lifetimes we travel many roads. Sometimes we make a detour off that straight and narrow into the wilderness. We find ourselves sometimes of our own choosing and sometimes affected by the choices of others on a steep descent through wild, rocky, desolate country. Into the wilderness, chasing the wrong thing, desiring the wrong thing, searching for comfort in the wrong thing, searching for temporary happiness in the wrong thing, until we find ourselves alone, vulnerable, and then we are attacked. Now, friends, the one that attacks us is not interested in money or possessions, but instead wants to take our joy, our love, our hope, our life. Maybe it was a bad relationship. Maybe it was a toxic work environment. Maybe it was peer pressure from friends. Maybe it was an addiction. Maybe it was overbearing parents. Maybe it was pressure and expectations we put on ourselves. Maybe it was bad choices and even worse mistakes. I doubt that there is a person in this room or watching us online that hasn't at one time or another found themselves lying on the side of the road, beaten, bruised, scarred, and scratched, wondering what was going to happen next, where they should turn, and where help was going to come from. Now, though this was a desolate road in the wilderness, it wasn't long until others started to appear. The first two that followed this guy on the road, they were of no help whatsoever. They avoided him. And likewise, friends, there are many on whatever road you currently find yourself on that aren't really much help to you either. 
They may be your best friends, your spouse, your parents, but there's only so much that they can do. But then on this road, another one appears. One that is full of compassion. One intent on binding his wounds. One that carried him to an end and took care of him. One willing to pay any price to ensure restoration. One that was full of mercy. Think about that again. One that has compassion, heals, carries, gives mercy, and is willing to pay whatever the price so that the least of these might be made whole. Friends, isn't that Jesus? Jesus saves, friends. Look, I don't know what road it is that you are on. You may be walking diligently and assuredly toward New Jerusalem, and that's great. Jesus is walking there with you. You might be stumbling a little bit here and there, and that's fine too because Jesus is there to help you up. You may find yourself dragging your feet here and there because you have some questions and some doubts. I hear that, but know that Jesus is there too to listen to you and to teach. You might be looking for a place to sit down because that road you're traveling is just a little bit too tough right now. And that's fine because Jesus is patient enough to stop and sit right there with you. Or friends, you may be lying on the side of the road, beaten up and broken. And to you, to especially you, I want to tell you this morning, reach out your hand. Because Jesus will reach out his, will lift you up, embrace you with compassion, will heal you, will carry you, and pay whatever price there may be so you can be made whole. In all of these scenarios, my dear sisters and brothers, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. I pray we all have the heart of early church father Jerome who wrote, Lo, here is the man that was caught with thieves, wounded and left for half dead as he was going toward Jericho. You kind-hearted Samaritan, take me up. I am the sheep that is gone astray, O good shepherd. Seek me out and bring me home to your fold again. Friends, I've lived this. Understand these words that I say this morning aren't some idle talk to inspire you so you come back again next week. I've lived this. This is real to me. Now, I don't have time to go into all of the details, but somewhere between Jerusalem and Jericho, from about 2004 to 2012, I wandered all over the wilderness from one rocky road to another, chasing after a bunch of stuff that just did not matter, trying to be someone that was as far away from who I was and whose I was as you can get. And when I got tired of walking those roads, I laid down, beaten down and overcome with anxiety and sadness and feelings of failure. I was miserable. I remember Heidi and I went off on an anniversary trip to our happy place, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And she took a picture of me sitting across from her at a place that we used to like to frequent. And she looked at that picture and she told me, she said, I can see the sadness in your eyes. That's where I was. 
But thanks be to God, as I laid on that wilderness road, Jesus came, picked me up, embraced me, and told me to come. He comforted me. He carried me. He healed me. He saved me. And he continues to do so to this very day. Yes, this parable is a call to faith. A call for us to lean on the one sent to save us all. A call for us to let him take us to the end. You say the end. Yes, the end. Understand this. The Greek word that is used here, that we translate as end, is pandokion. And this is the only place in the New Testament where this particular Greek word for in is used. Here's the definition of this word. A public place for receiving all comers that is on a much larger scale than a lodging or guest room. A public place for receiving all comers that is on a much larger scale than a lodging or a guest room. Where does that sound like to you? Heaven, bring your eyes down a little bit lower. Church, right? That's church. St. John Chrysostom agrees with us. He says about this passage, the end is the church, which receives travelers who are tired with their journey through the world and oppressed with the load of their sins, where the weary traveler discarding the burden of his sins is relieved. And after being refreshed is restored with wholesome food. <clears throat> and this is what is said here, meaning the text. For outside the inn is everything that is conflicting, hurtful, and evil. While within the inn is contained all rest and health. Within the inn, friends, within the church is all rest and health. When Jesus saves us, he brings us here. This is where we're supposed to be. This is where Jesus wants us to be, with our brothers and sisters seeking healing and wholeness together. Maybe that is what is meant when we hear the phrase that the church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. So yes, friends, this is a call to faith for all of us. But we also can't dismiss Jesus' final words in the passage, though, because he says, you go and do likewise. Now, this parable is still very much a call to action, but not a self-justifying action, not the kind of thing the lawyer was hunting around for. But it is a call for us to love and show mercy. I don't want any of you to hear this parable and then walk out of the doors this afternoon and walk by an opportunity to show mercy after worship because, well, Pastor Mark said that parable is just about Jesus. I don't have to help anybody. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, the parable is first and foremost about Jesus saving us, but at the same time, Jesus does call us to go and do likewise. As the hymn says, freely, freely you have received, freely, freely, what? Give. Yes, Christ works for you, and yes, friends, Christ works in you, but hey, let us not forget, Christ also works through you. 
My study Bible puts it perfectly, I think, when it says, The command to go and do likewise, that is to show mercy to others, is not an entrance requirement for eternal life. Rather, it is a call to follow Jesus' way of loving God and others from the heart. Indeed, it is simply a life mindful of the way we have been loved instead of living out of self-justification. We love friends. Why? Because He first loved us. We serve friends because He first saved us. And we live Friends, because he first died for us. And thanks be to God for that. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next time, God bless. Take care. <laughs>